You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Mary Shaw. She's talking to me from her home in Philadelphia. Mary, thanks so much for being with me today. It's great to be back with you again. Mary, yes, the last time we talked was several years ago. Um, we were talking about Thomas Chimes. We were talking about pataphysics and uh, we're talking again, and so much has happened in that in that time uh, as as I began researching and catching up with you and um, and in your letter to me as as we were exchanging information, you said you've you've led a very pataphysical life since we last did the interview what What does that mean? You've led a pataphysical life, and of course we're talking in july twenty seventh it's twenty twenty one we're still in the pandemic here. Yes. Um, well, since Tom Chimes uh, and the Tom Chimes book and the experience of pataphysics through Tom Chimes, because after all, as the name of that book is Painter and Pataphysician Thomas Chimes, and since uh, having been on Yale Radio and all the experiences that that generated, um, I have become even more immersed in pataphysics than when I talked to you about the Tom Chimes book six years ago. Um, so it's it's been it's been quite an interesting um, quite an interesting journey, which is continuing. I I think that uh, you know, like my pataphysician friend and mentor uh, Tom Chimes, I am both more hermetic, but at the same time, um, more gregarious, collaborative, more networked into people who matter to me. Uh, And virtually all the books I've read, all the teaching I've done, books I've read since that time uh, have increased and were done with my friends inspirational and otherwise so um, it's really been it's really been six years of quite a fascinating immersion in in pataphysics pataphysics and so so pataphysics is you know almost an impossible thing to sort of frame to discuss even though there are journals on it and numerous books on it and pataphysical writers Um, where has this brought you to you, you know in in all this time you're you're you've been investigating such you know uh, what I think is a difficult to articulate subject and field um, how would you articulate it now where has that brought you to in terms of your understanding of pataphysics well um, if you remember if you remember from last time I saw it as uh, well many things but um, I saw I I I I really sort of focused in on its being the um, science of of the unpredictable kind of the contrary science um, uh, instead of following science theories, it was exceptions to those theories. We talked about the fact that 
scientists generally, even when they're talking about Einstein, um, whenever they find an exception, they say, oh, that's just an exception, whereas Jari and the pataphysics in pataphysicians in general um, said they, they examined the exceptions and they found that there was a lot of truth in them. And uh, we talked about Lord Kelvin and, and a few others that uh, Chimes dealt with. Well, in the era of the coronavirus, there is no better delving into and um, uh, nowness of um, um, looking at the exceptions and challenging uh, challenging whatever is supposedly the truthful science. We've had nothing but misinformation. We've gone through thinking you shouldn't even wear masks. Um, and false information and a president who didn't believe in science uh, and defied all science experts. And so it's really been a quite uh, pataphysical world. And, you know, another thing from my experience with Alfred Jury and Chimes and pataphysics in general is the only way you get through it is with a sense of humor. Um, and, you know, you have to you have to find some lightness, some escape um, from kind of the horror of not only the coronavirus but the um, last administration we've had running our country and many many of the other countries in the world um, have had um, leaders that aren't exactly the kind who are we would describe as humanists. Mm -hmm. and, and and let's talk about that a little bit because that's you know that's that's so interesting and, and right, this time that we're in, you're you're saying you know, is an unusual moment for pataphysical thinking perhaps, um in in a kind of I don't wanna I hate to use the term, but you know, a kind of what's called a post-fact environment, right? People believe what they want to believe, re regardless right. of, of, of what the truth may, may be. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's jump into that a little bit more because this is also what you've been writing about and it infuses your writing, right? The, this way of thinking in terms of pataphysics, because is that partly what you mean when you mean a, you've been leading this pataphysical life? There's all these kind of happenings, physical, but it's also how you're, I mean, in social and, and otherwise, but you're, this is also infused in all your writing. Yes. Um, so one of the pataphysical concepts we talked about um, was going into the past to go to the future and exist in the present. Um, and if, if you recall, I talked a little about my experience with my father and um, re having a, a conversation with somebody on a plane, an anonymous person on a plane, that encouraged me to uh, sort of pull uh, the uh, venom of that relationship that is between my father and me out of my system. Um, and what I've seen in my writing is going very much back to my um, past. 
um, and in order to go into the future, <laughs> to live in the present. Right. And uh, but it's been in in many ways, it's been uh, a a a more positive exploration of the past. So in um, each of the prologues, we, the, the prologues sort of are about me. As we said last time, the Chimes book was a memoir. It was really about my life with Chimes. Well, now um, these are kind of memoirs too, except the memoir part is fairly confined to the prologue. Each of my books has a prologue. And um, the prologues go back to my uh, very early experiences that were pleasant, including my, uh, how I learned about art and music and writing from my Uncle Martin, who was a WPA artist uh, during, the, um, during the Depression, the early Depression, <laughs> the Depressions that, uh, right. that uh, most of your audiences lived through um, after World War II, and, um, and, uh, and how, how enlightening that was and how joyful that was, and that's how I learned about that and the virtues of art writing. Um, and about another book talks about um, my excursions to the Art Institute of Chicago, um, which were really, I, I, when I was 11, I was allowed to take the subway from my house in Skokie, which was a long way to the Art Institute of Chicago by myself. I was 11 years old. And how, you know, sort of the joy of that and the exploration, because I wanted to go to the Art Institute of Chicago. I I had gone there with my Uncle Martin. I'd gone there with my classes. And I, I, I really wanted to be there. And I did it many, many, many times throughout my life until I went to college and then I didn't go as frequently because I wasn't in Chicago very much. And then now I don't go very often at all. Um, And I haven't been since the coronavirus, but I still have this place in my heart for it and what it taught me about art. So I would say this going back to the past, to go into the future, to be in the present, uh, has, has stayed with me and become become um, more joyful and more satisfying um, and more uh, positively building. Uh, so and where does that leave that. you now? So, so where does that leave you now? You're, um, you're currently working Well, you know, on, right uh, now, you know, yeah. so right now, um, when, if you recall from the Chimes book, uh, Tom Chimes was 71 years old when I met him and began this excursion of immersing myself in his life. I collected his work before, but we didn't really meet until he was 71 years old. So now I'm 74. So I'm three years older than Tom was at the time I met him. And so my, um, my scope of looking into the future is, is much more, um, more focused on the future because, um, you know, I'm closer to the end of the line. And so I think about the future. And as Tom would say, and as Homer said, the song that will be, will be left 
for generations to come. Um, the world I am leaving for those who come after me. Um, and I'm finding it actually be quite, quite satisfying and enjoy, joyful, you know. And I, I just, I, I really value that I have the, this, these years to do that, um, which is a very different attitude than I had about death before. And it was an attitude about death that Tom Chimes had. Um, so, and, and I think that Jari, if you remember, you know, he, through all, you know, through all he'd been through, and he, he, loved, he died with a toothpick in his, in his, his mouth smiling. Um, so I think that, I don't mean to say I'm anything like Jari or, or Tom. I'm a little closer to Tom than Jari, but, but, you, but you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the perspective of somebody who is older and has had a truly, truly fortunate and wonderful life. And, and, and yeah, so true. There's, there's just from reading and that kind of experience comes so much knowledge, I think. And, and you're working with another artist now, right? Stuart Netsky? Yeah, I've actually got two new inspirational artists. Both of whom are who are, are younger than I am now. I mean, so let's, I talk about, yeah, let's talk about them if you want. Yeah, I'd love to because that's the extension of, I, I, of the relationship right, with, right. with Tom's chimes. So right. much younger than Tom. I started out so much younger than Tom, much younger than Tom, and now Stuart. Uh, I'm in my you know kind of mid 70s, and Stuart's in his mid 60s, and um, the other person that uh, that is is a, a his name is Yuri, um, and he he's in his he's a little younger than than um, than Stuart is. So it's like three okay. generational, um, and I have been also getting inspiration um, from public middle school kids that I've been teaching and my own grandchildren. So um, let's start about with the artistic uh, inspira- inspirators um, who I've gotten very close with. And um, I guess the first one we should really uh, talk about is um, Stuart Netsky. So um, Stuart Netsky is, is an artist that I had I knew long before I knew Tom Chimes, though he obviously was much younger than Tom. I mean, he, he was born long, long after Tom Chimes was born. Um, and um, I, I, he's another person whose art I um, collected before I really got to know him. Um, I met him in the Larry Becker Gallery in Philadelphia, and um, there's actually a picture of me in the Chimes book and on your site from the last interview of me with Tom Chimes in the Larry Becker Gallery, which is coincidental, or maybe not, (laughs) Um, but in any event. (laughs) But so I I met him there, and um, I was there looking at 
his work at the the uh, Larry Becker Gallery, um, and uh, because Larry represented him at that time, um, and really, really admiring it, and um, I, and I had my husband and I had already bought one piece of Stewart's at that point, um, and then we met him, and then we started collecting, and we bought many, many more pieces, um, and we had a very a long relationship, you know, a good relationship with him. Um, he he had an incredible show at the ICA in Philadelphia, which is a terrific ICA. And he would bring, he just, it, it was dynamite. We have a bunch of pieces around the show. He would just, he started building it. It was a one-person show in a big, big space. He would start building it. And every day, they told us at the ICA, every day he would arrive with more stuff. And he'd build more, and he'd put it, he put it. He was very metaphysical. He'd just kind of add on and get these ideas on the mm. spot and just going. And uh, it was really quite a show. Uh, and um, there's, there's actually a great catalog of it. Um, and so we had a really close relationship with him. But, you know, the way time is, you know, we didn't see him regularly, uh, and then we didn't see him for long periods of time. And, and but then uh, somehow with the coronavirus, I really, really um, attached. I just had this idea, and I texted him, and I said, Stuart, I, you know, I, I miss you. How, how are you doing? Let's talk. And so we have been really, really, I, I'm working very, very closely with him on all kinds of things. I'm really studying his collection. We're working on, I mean, his, his art. We're really working on going with a, a wonderful young man who's a photographer and other people, cataloging all the work in his warehouse, um, thinking about other shows. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm buying more work. Um, I'm sort of selling, but not, you know, not like a dealer selling, but uh, to other people that I know, other people who bought other of his work who love him, people who haven't bought his work who love him. And so we're, so we're really pretty tied at the hip at this point. I mean, we talk and see each other, you know, at least once a day. <laughs> well, we talk, we don't, see each other absolutely once a day, but we have communications. I mean, we have very frequent communications, and we're really getting to know each other, and this is all going to have a very um, wonderful uh, future for both uh, Stuart and me. And, and, and that will lead, what, know, to, a, to a catalog, did you think, that among other things? or It will lead to a catalog, and I believe some exhibitions, um, some more exhibitions. It's time that he had another, uh, another. I mean, he's had exhibitions, he's had gallerists, um, you know, uh, he has a, a, a gallery now that's true, but some really strong, strong work. There, there's, some, there's a lot of interest in that that we're kind of helping along um, and you know, I I, uh, I I'm willing to. One of the great things about 
being hermetic was I had a lot of time to figure out how to manage my money and how to trade. Um, I've got it managed here and there, and i got other people doing that because I figured out I can't do it as well as those people who sit in front of a screen 24 hours a day and only concentrate on one little area of investment. But I also day trade. Um, and I, and so, and during the coronavirus, I mean, one thing that's happened over the past years is we've had the most remarkable market growth of the rich getting rich and of course the poor getting poor. But in any event, um, so, um, so I, I, I am able to, um, you know, fund a lot of things and I will, I think, be able to help steward out in that way as well. That's great. So, and thanks for mentioning that. So that's through through day trading, which it sounds like you became proficient at during that pandemic. I, yeah, I did. Well, I really, really. I mean, I have some money. I've chosen money managers in different places, uh, very pointedly, because I do think that you know, at, at my age, I should be looking to have more of my money managed. But yes, I have become more proficient at both finding managers, kind of doing a little more um, sort of um, strategic funds. Um, you know, I, I can't believe it, but well, I well, well, which, which which can help to support these Island. artists, like yeah, 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 which helps me. I get notices from the Cayman Islands. They're just administering the funds I'm in because I, at first I. I called and I said, whoa, what are we doing here? But they just, they not only do whatever they do with money, they also are big administrators for lots of funds. Um, and um, and I, I do day trade. I do day trade. I'm really, I day trade. I, in fact, I, I, you know, I don't want to do it so much anymore, so I, that's why I'm having more of my money managed. And then I spend it on, yeah, good things. I sponsored as, um, as two after-school programs on Zoom, after-school Zoom programs uh, in two, two different public schools of Philadelphia. Uh, and uh, one was, I don't know, 24 of the 25 students were uh, immigrants from immigrant families, many of them immigrants themselves. Uh, and the other were um, special ed kids that were African American, uh, and uh, their main special ed issue was mental health. And I, I found that uh, I, I was able to um, to sponsor both those programs, one more than the other. Um, because the other, they, people started going back to school and the, with the buses and everything, it was really hard for kids to be back in time to Zoom, you know. Uh, but the other one went straight through because um, that was earlier. Uh, and um, I ended up writing a book about that too. Um, and in the book, I included the unbelievably fantastic drawings and poems that the students made, I, it just is mind-boggling. It, it really mm. is. And, um, and I worked with LaSalle University Museum, terrific people there, and 
Writers Matter, Writing Matters, a fantastic writing program, and we created this wonderful book, and um, it, the kids got it, and they got more copies, and it's sort of being, it's being distributed for free so that the program that was created um, can be circulated to other schools. The attendance was astonishingly good. Um, I mean, this was voluntary after school, after these kids were Zooming um, all day long. You know, I, I had decided, look, I've got seven grandchildren, and they all suffer from, from the coronavirus in their own ways. And these are affluent, privileged kids, basically. And, you know, it's just not fair. And so I decided to do it for other kids. And, and it really, there was, I mean, I did fund it. I did have to pay, and I did have to pay to make a book. But it was a, such a small amount of money um, considering how much it touched these kids. I mean, really. Yeah, and yeah, I, had, I had so much fun. I was, at the, I was there, you know. I talked to them, you know. I, I, I you know, that one day what happened was I, first I was going to observe and in the first class I have this artwork behind me, my computer. And it wasn't very long into the class. I, I, was, I thought I was like anonymous. My name was there but, and my picture, you know, because it's better that they can see faces on the Zoom thing. Um, not very long into the class, the, uh, the instructor from LaSalle said, um, uh, well, uh, which of this arts that we just saw from the LaSalle Museum really, which art really interests you? What would you like to talk more about? And so one kid said, I would like to talk about the artwork that's behind Miss Shaw's head in, in the Zoom. And that was it. And I was a full-time um, full-time participant and the um, and the the book and so one day I said to them hey they oh and then they googled me and they said hey you're a real author and I had written this other book with the author's names uh, the participants names on the back of the book and I held it up and I said would you like me to write you a book like this with you with all your names in the back and it was not it, they of course wanted it and that's why we wrote the book Oh, it's great. That's a great story. I, I, um, I wanted to ask you about what you're reading, but I also feel like I should, we should try to squeeze in. There's another artist that you're also working with, right? We talked about Stuart Nesky, um, but didn't. You, but was there one other person you wanted to mention that you're also working with, similar to um, the way you work with Stuart, or no? Yes. Um, this is a person um, that uh, is... Uh, associated with the Wilma Theater. Um, right. The, I, I believe that we talked a little bit about, actually the Wilma Theater was mentioned, we didn't talk about it, but it was mentioned in my, Tom, in my Chimes book because it was, it's a fantastic theater in Philadelphia. Um, and it, it was um, something that I talked with, I talked with Chimes about some of the productions that were there. Um, it, it's just a very, it, it's a great theater there. So in any event, um, 
it was run by somebody named Blanca Ziska. Um, and Blanca Ziska, uh, uh, retired lately and the, uh, recently, fairly recently. And the, um, and the, the person who took charge, there's a group of directors, but the person who was the most, you know, the leader of them all was somebody named Yuri Ernov. Um, and Yuri Ernov um, is a, a Russian refugee. He uh, is his parents were members of the Communist Party and he uh, he traveled all the around the world his uh, his his dad was sort of an ambassador he did theater in in Africa and Estonia and the United States and everywhere um, and um, uh, and but Yuri is uh, it's not exactly what the um, the Russians are looking for, particularly these days. Um, so he uh, he uh, fortunately was in the U.S. He was one of the you know how they have these uh, a certain number of immigrants who are so outstanding nobody in the U.S. could ever do what they do. He got a green card that way. Um, to he didn't he didn't get it he had the right to be in the U.S. and he came with his wife Tichana um, and um, and they both now have green cards uh, Yuri got his first and Tichana got her second Tichana um, was is also from Russia and she uh, was involved in the theater she was an, a TV actress. A theater actress, um, a, a star, really, and she um, she eventually uh, decided that she preferred to do other parts in theater, like lighting, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, uh, when I met Yuri, it was like <laughs> love at first sight. Yuri understands pataphysics. <laughs> you know, he and I speak the same language. Uh, he has a a very uh, um, European, I mean, he's from Europe, and he, uh, he, he knew all that, and he knew about Alfred Jarry, of course, because of his, his being such a figure in theater. I mean, Ubu Wise is a major event in theater. So we have uh, started working very, very closely, and I'm finding him incredibly inspirational. Um, he, 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 his, his mind is so strong. Uh, so, by the way, he has not been back to Russia in quite some time. He, uh, I, he, his parents are there. He was wanting to go actually not so long ago but he was afraid they wouldn't let him in and I was afraid they wouldn't let him out but in any event he didn't go um, and his uh, his parents are still there they're you know they they were in the communist party and they were not big figures so they're no threat they're living in some 
apartment in, in Moscow, and his brother um, had to immigrate to uh, Israel. So anyway, so but I, wow. I've learned so much with him, and he's now working on this play that I've written during the age of the coronavirus called A Letter to Solomon on the Age of the Coronavirus. Um, and Solomon is one of my grandchildren, and he, he and I and Tijana um, are having a great time working on that. He's, he's just very, his thinking is so wonderful. It's going to be, have all kinds of different versions, all kinds of different grandchildren. Kind of the running theme is, or a running theme is that this grandmother, it's a true theme, <laughs> are all yeah. good themes, um, uh, always, you know, wrote to her children, her grandchildren when she traveled or wherever she was and sent them postcards and blah, 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 blah. So she goes during the coronavirus, she goes to the mailbox to send a letter to her grandchild who's in Estonia or Africa or uh, West Philadelphia or somewhere and the letter arrives and the grandchild, it gets lost in the mail. It, it, so it arrives in this, you know, to this other grandchild, and right. the other grandchild writes back, and there's this imaginary, there's this conversation with an imaginary grandmother, um, and and it it hits on all kinds of of subjects that are. Um, are so uh, so resonant both to children and adults. Uh, it mm. talks, and these are all things I wrote to my grandson because I actually sat down and opened a notebook and started writing a letter to Solomon in the age of the coronavirus because I all the mail was getting lost. People were stealing the mail. Trump ordered all the mailboxes. Uh, be destroyed, you know, and and then and so I didn't want to write all, all so many letters and mail them because I thought they would get lost. And then I thought I can't write so many letters because the mailmen are overworked and they got to deliver right. the the right in mail boats, you know. So anyway, so that's what happened. That that's what happened. And it talks about wow. fears. It goes back and forth in history. Uh, it talks that's about that's great. That's great. I'm so glad you talked about that. That sounds fascinating. It talks about all the great things that were invented by Isaac Newton and artists Mondrian, not Mondrian, Monet, and during plagues when they were sent home from school and they had to be in isolation. It talks about uh, it. Oh, there's a, a whole lot. He's got oh, my grandson Solomon, but he has a dog named Daisy. So it's from Daisy's point fantastic. of view. You know, and and we've I've workshopped it with these middle school kids, and and they loved it. I mean, the the public middle school, they they went crazy. So anyway, there's going to be lots of versions. Uh, oh, that's so good that to hear. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, so so that's the future. With and what was his name? The Russian. His name is Yuri I V O N O V. I'm sorry, U U R N O V. Yuri. Y U R Y 
then the second name is Yurnov. U-R-N-O-V. Well, thank you for that. And, and I want to ask you one more question. What are you reading now? Oh, well, I am reading... Uh, well, I, I, ju- I just finished reading Crossing the Line, which is a book that was recommended to me by my grandson, Solomon. And it's about... It's this real success story of this... African-American kid that is born into poverty and he actually was in Philadelphia um, and he still is actually and he uh, just everything was wrong Um, you know no father addicted mother all kinds of things Um, um, but he started playing polo in this very imaginative, strong, wonderful um, program that still exists in Philadelphia in Fairmount Park. And he, he just stuck with it, and he, he became a huge success. He got into, you know, great schools. He was, got funding, blah, blah, blah. He's become, he made money, financial success, and he, he goes on. And my my um, my grandson recommended it to me, so uh, I I just I finished that recently. And then I've also been reading. Um, I've been going around town and picking up books that people discard that look interesting to me. You know, they put them out on the street, so I read them and then I put them back out on the street. And I put other books of mine on the street. It's sort of like this exchange. And um, and there's one called Crossing, um, and it's uh, it's a little bit like Crossing the Line, the the, the story that my um, my grandson <laughs> recommended to me, and it's um, the the uh, artist is from Yugoslavia, and it it. It's it's very imaginative. It's very it's very you know um, it's it's metaphysical and it goes back and forth in time and talks about its things um, and it, it it's gruesome but it's funny um, and it's sad but it's also uh, it, and it's like a historic novel as well. Um, and then another one that I picked up on the street is called Doppelganger. Uh It's G-D-O-P-P-E-L-G-A-N-G-E-R. Um, and um, this, this is a novelist um, uh, from, who's Croatian. And it goes back and forth too uh, with uh, this is actually kind of like two books, but it 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 also gives you that same feeling of crossing over. Really, I mean, the changes that happen um, in this case it's in Croatia, which of course have been um, have been historic um and it, you know it, it's it's 
of our time, really. You know, we are now going through, I mean, nothing's been a lot more historic in the United States the world than the coronavirus. Um, we've had other right. plagues and things like that, but in, in my lifetime, in my lifetime and in your lifetime, it's been a pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's been quite a thing. So, um, but I, 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 the, the thing about the letter to Solomon and, um, is that, and my reading his recommendations is that um, the same books apply to that appeal to children appeal to adults. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's overlooked. Like there's going to be a series of children's books about Solomon, uh, about a letter to Solomon in the age of the coronavirus, but it's all freewheeling. You know, they, the, these books, the, the, somebody edits it and has a lot of freedom with the text and somebody illustrates it and has a lot of freedom with that. Um, um, but, right. you know, well, children's books are read by adults to children, so they they should really have an appeal to adults also. And there's mm. and the theater of these books is supposed to be appealing both to adults and to children. I mean, you got grandmothers and you got children, you got fathers and kids, you know. And and these right, are topics. Right. So that's what I'm reading or whatever. Right, right, right. No, that's fascinating. I'm just agreeing. Yeah, that's fascinating. Those are such interesting um topics as as parents and grandparents uh, you know that's 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 so true the way books have to have that appeal mary i i think you also wanted to mention something about mario before we go did you want to say something about that yes i did uh, mario is another one of my wonderful coronavirus projects he is a young uh, man he, he started, he and I together started an online bookstore that's a humanist version of Amazon where you can get a better deal and you have a wonderful site that has great books and it includes, um, and it consists of books from my bookshelves and books I've written and books from the uh, bookshelves of my grandchildren, Lucy and Solomon. So all my books are there. It's the best place to to buy them. Please buy them there instead of Amazon. And it's um, here's the link to the to the uh, to the site. Great. Uh, then that'll be included, of course, in the interview. Um, Mary, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for your time and work. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.